Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Glory to God. Well, hold your Bible up tonight. Say it out loud. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. It is the infallible, indestructible, ever-living, eternal Word of God. And tonight, I will hear the Word of God. I will apply it to my life, and it will change my life. And I will never, 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 be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we want to continue with this that we've been looking at, the power in the Word. Go with me to Romans chapter 1 tonight. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 1. Hallelujah. And notice what Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 says. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You could insert the word, word there. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in the word, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So it, the gospel, definite article, it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation, unto rescue, unto deliverance, unto wholeness, unto completeness. Amen. It, the power of God, is the Word of God. So the Word contains the power to produce salvation in the life of the hearer. And when we talk about salvation, we're talking about the whole man's salvation. We've talked a lot in this series about renewing the mind. We'll touch on that a little bit tonight. Uh, not as much as we have been, but it produces that wholeness in, in, in the man or the woman that will believe the Word of God. Now, in the gospel is revealed, notice the power of God. And it says why? It says, for therein, in the gospel, is revealed the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. So in the gospel is revealed to the hearer a righteousness that comes from God. Amen. It, it, it reveals God's way of man's right standing with him. All right? In, in the gospel. That's so powerful. Amen. Now, if the word is that powerful, and we know that it is, there must be a reason or reasons that it's that powerful. If the word is that powerful, and we know that it is, there must be a reason. Now, the, 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 the easy answer there is, well, of course, it's the Word of God. Well, we've covered that over and over again. Uh, the, 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 every, everything that God is, the Word is. All right? But there are reasons that the Word is what it is. Amen. There's reasons. 
The first reason tonight that we're going to look at is the Word is inspired by the Holy Ghost. The first reason is the Word is inspired by the Holy Ghost. This has to do with the doctrine of the Scriptures. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we want to look at this is the, uh, as Brother Hagin would say, this is the golden text concerning the inspiration of the Scriptures. But this is so important because James 1.21 says that in the Scripture is the ability to save your soul, your mind, renew your mind, your mind, your will, your emotions. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that as you submit yourself to God and to the Word, that you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Ephesians 4.23 says that we can be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Hallelujah. Well, it's because the Word is inspired by the Holy Ghost. Look, look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He says, all, or 3, 16, excuse me. He says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. One translation says, every Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. Every scripture is God-breathed and profitable. The Strong's Concordance says every scripture is divinely breathed in. Every scripture is divinely breathed in. And so this phrase given by the inspiration of God is one word in the Greek. And that's what it means. It means to be God-breathed. Inspiration was the process used to produce all Scripture. All right? God-breathing inspiration was the process that was used to produce all Scripture. So by the inbreathing of the Holy Spirit, men spoke or wrote the actual words of God. Amen. In other words, God breathed into man what, God, what man breathed out. What came out, what they wrote, what they prophesied, what they put down was what God put in them. God breathed it into them and they breathed it out. Amen. Glory to God. But it was inspired by God. The writers of the Bible we're not inspired like a poet or an artist. If you listen to certain people teach, years ago, years ago, I, uh, I heard an audio recording by a guy named Earl Nightingale, and it was called The Strangest Secret. Now, Earl, Earl Nightingale was phenomenal in what he did, but here's the point. He would talk about all these men that made statements, and he would, he would quote Marcus Aurelius and, and Mark Twain and, and Aristotle and, and all these men, and then he would say, and right there with them is the carpenter of Galilee, perhaps the greatest teacher ever. And I mean, he was very respectful, but here's the thing. He put Jesus and the Word on the same level as just a poet 
or a very wise man. The, the, the Word of God, the writers of the Bible, were not inspired like a poet or an artist. They didn't decide what to write. The Holy Spirit was the divine author. The Holy Spirit authored the Word of God. Oh, glory to God. Amen. The third person of the Godhead moved with them and upon them to bring into being the scriptures that reveal God's purposes and God's plan for man. Hallelujah. That, that, is one of the, that is one of the primary reasons that the Word of God can change your life. Because it was written specifically for you. It was written specifically for what you're dealing with. The Holy Spirit included in the Word an answer for anything that you might be dealing with. Because the Bible is for all people for all time. And the Holy Spirit, who's the third person of the Godhead, worked in conjunction with the living Word Christ and brought it into being... And the Word is a living thing. And that's why when it enters into your heart, those things that were dead begin to come alive. Those things that were broken begin to be mended because the great, mighty, holy one is on the inside of you in the form of the Word of God, changing everything. Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. The Holy Spirit led the writers even in the selection of the words they were to use and preserve them from all error. All error. Amen. From time to time, you'll hear people say, well, there's contradictions in the Bible. Next time you hear that, take your Bible, put it in their lap and say, show me one. Listen, I've, I've done it. I've, I've given my Bible to people and said, show me. Because you got to have confidence. The Holy Spirit authored the book. There are no errors in it. There are no errors in it. If, if you don't come to the understanding that, that there are no contradictions, there are no errors, there are no misgivings in the Word of God. It was authored by the Holy Spirit. God meant what He said and said what He meant. And the Holy Spirit gave it, breathed it into men, and men breathed it out onto paper or into the air through their prophecies. Amen. Hallelujah. Many believers will tell you, no, there's no errors in the Word, but they can't tell you why. Amen. Inspiration, as defined by Paul here in 2 Timothy 3, is the strong, conscious inbreathing of God into men, qualifying them to give utterance to truth. The strong, conscious inbreathing of God into men, qualifying them to give utterance to truth. Notice, in 2 Peter 1. What we're hearing tonight is good doctrine. And one thing that we have a lack of today is good doctrine. Because, because we've, got, we've got people that have been raised for the last 35 or 40 years on ministry with no doctrine. One of the main doctrines of scriptures is its infallibility. 
Scripture is infallible. It doesn't matter who believes it or doesn't believe it. It doesn't change the infallibleness of the Word. Someone will say, well, I, I don't necessarily believe it that way. That doesn't change the fact that the Holy Spirit inspired what was written. Amen. There's, there's, a, there's a, a pastor that pastors here in the state of Arkansas, and he came out recently and said, well, I don't know if there's a heaven or a hell. He said, I haven't, I haven't found a hell in the Bible, and I haven't found, you know, uh, what we call heaven in the Bible. He's supposed to be an evangelical pastor. Well, I can show you hell several times in the Bible. I can show you heavens. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? Right? I mean, that, right? Well, here's the thing. What, what, what's the issue with that? Something they don't understand or something they disagree with? If you disagree with it, it doesn't change its infallibleness. You, you've got to spend time with God till you see it the way God sees it. We, God doesn't see it the way we see it. We see it the way God sees it. If you believe something and you go to the Word and it doesn't agree with what you believe, change what you believe. Because what the Word says is what is true. Amen. I've looked at people before and said it's always God's will to heal. Yeah, but I knew so-and-so that didn't get healed. Change what you believe. It is always God's will to heal. That's infallible. That's inspired. It was inspired by God to write, with his stripes, you are healed. With his stripes, you were healed. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And, and, you know, it can be an uncomfortable feeling at times to base everything on the word. Because eventually you're going to run into something. That, ooh. <laughs> but if it's infallible... If it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, I've got, I've got to take it. I've got to take it and go with it. Amen. Remember Matt Gober telling the story? He had just not been born again very long, and he went to church with the girl that he was living with. You know, as, they, as we used to say, they were shacking. And uh, they got there, and, the, and the, there was an evangelist there, and he was preaching on them fornicators. And boy, Mac was back there, and he was thinking, ooh, them fornicators, they're some bad guys. He, he, he was mixed up between fornicator and gladiator. <laughs> and after service, he went up to the pastor, and he goes, ooh, them fornicators are some bad guys. And he goes, what is one? And he told him it's, it's you know, somebody, you know, living out of wedlock with someone having, in, you know, intimate relations. And Mac went, ooh. <laughs> he went back to where the girl was sitting. He goes, you got to go, mama. <laughs> hey, well, here, here's, that's humorous, and Mac was humorous, but it, it's humorous. But what, what happened? He saw it in the Word. The Word's infallible. I got to line up with the Word. When you make that your, your goal, when you make that your desire, I'm going to line up with the Word. Mind, you're going to line up with the Word. Body, you're going to line up with the Word. Mouth, you're going to line up with the Word. Because I'm bringing it into line with what will bring victory. Amen. Am I helping you? 2 Peter 1 and verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. 
private origin is what that means. For the prophecy came not in old time, which means at any time, by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Amplified Bible says they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men spoke words from God who is the ultimate source of what they spoke. Who is the ultimate source of what they spoke. Hallelujah. So when you find it in the Word, God is the ultimate source of that. Amen. So the Holy Spirit was with the writers of Scripture, revealing to them truths they didn't know before and guiding them in the recording of those truths. They were, they were writing down things that they were inspired to write down that they didn't know. Hallelujah. The Old Testament writers were writing things down that they didn't know. But yet it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it was inspired by the Holy Spirit and it was preserved for you and I. It was preserved for the generation we're living in. It was preserved so that Jesus could come and fulfill all those prophecies because he was the Son of God, the Messiah. It, it was preserved. They didn't even know what they were writing. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Look at Hebrews 1 and verse 1. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 1 and verse 1, notice, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So God spoke by the prophets to the fathers. He has spoken in these last days by his Son. All of the writers of the Scriptures spoke and wrote as they were directed by the Spirit of God. Now that sounds elementary, but here's what this does. That makes the Bible God's book. That makes the Bible God's book. God wrote it. You would always do yourself a favor to remind yourself of that. Uh, people will say, well, you know, Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah. Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah inspired by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit said through Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said through Paul. That keeps it ever in your thinking that a man didn't write that. The Holy Spirit wrote it. He just transcribed what he said. Amen. See, we're people of the book. We're Holy Spirit people. And if we're Holy Spirit people, then we're people of the Word. Because this is His finest work. Is the Scripture. Amen. 
You know, one thing that I thank God for be, being raised Pentecost was we was always looking to the Word, always looking to the Word. Now, we might have misunderstood it and, and misapplied it and not applied some of it, but it was always the Word. What does the Word say? We, we, right? we wanted to see a Bible open on the pulpit when the preacher was preaching. Amen. We, we, we were taught to bring our Bibles to church. Well, why are you going to bring your Bible to church? You checking up on the preacher? No, but I'm following along. I want to see everything he's seeing. I want to see everything the man or the woman of God's seeing. And I know you can do it on a device, and I'm not running that down. But I'm, I'm just saying, that's what we were taught. We, we, amen. We were taught to believe the Word. Amen. This is God's book. That means the Bible contains the power of God. If it's God's book, God wrote it, God spoke it, then it contains the power of God. And it has the ability to renew your mind, change your life, set you free. Isn't that true? Glory to God. And when you approach it, that's how you approach it. Don't ever approach the word flippantly. Don't approach the word like you approach another book. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't just toss your Bible on the nightstand or on the end table like you do a magazine. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is precious. This is not like any other written volume in the world. Ever in history. It's God's word given to men through the Holy Spirit. And it has the chance and the opportunity to change your life. That's why we call it the Holy Bible. The Holy Scriptures. Amen. You know, I see people driving down the road sometimes, and they got an old bleached, burnt-out Bible sitting in their back window. And you know, they don't ever use the thing, and you know they don't. It's, it's just there for, for looks, I guess. Amen. We, we don't treat the Bible like any other publication, any other book. This is what changed your life. The ability of God to, to affect change in you happened as you partook of the Word of God. The ability in the Scripture got into you by partaking of the Word of God. Amen. Number two, the second point that we're going to get into tonight. The Word is inspired by the Holy Ghost is the first one. The second one is the Word is absolute truth. The Word is absolute truth. Look at, at John chapter 18. Now this is something that is life-changing, but it's also something that you have to make the determination of for yourself that I choose to believe that every word in the Bible is true. In John chapter 18, verse 37, it says, Pilate said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus said, You say that I'm a king. To this end I was born, for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. That's where you say, That's me. I am of the truth, and I hear his voice. Well, now listen, what, what does that mean? The word is truth. And you're of the truth. And you hear his voice. 
Well, his voice is not just him speaking to your spirit or audibly. His voice is the word. This is the voice of God in my life. Now, notice what Pilate said in verse 38. Notice Pilate said unto him, what is truth? What is truth? This, this is, is so telling because his tone infers that the, he doesn't, not only does he not know what truth is, the search for truth is hopeless. It's vain. What is truth? And he walked off. Pilate's asking the same question multiplied thousands of people are asking today. What is truth? What is the truth? Amen. To many, truth is relative. Relative to, it, that might be true in this situation, but, you know, truth is relative, so it may not be true here. Amen. In other words, there is no absolute truth. We, we see that. There's no absolute truth. There's no absolutes. That This that you're seeing is not necessarily how it is. It's relative. If you believe something different, that's fine. Then this isn't truth for you. You understand? The world can believe that way. If you're a believer, you can't. This is truth. That's how change comes. I've had people say, I got a right to my opinion, not when it comes to this. You, you, as a believer, what do we believe? This. I believe the word. Is that right? Yeah, down to whatever it is. I believe the word. Does that make sense? That dear brother that was talking about, you know, hell and the lake of fire. I mean, I believe the word. What's it say? Paul, Paul talked about it. It said, all that do such things, they'll find themselves in the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone. Paul said in the book of Galatians, talking about the works of the flesh, he made this statement. He said, those that are involved in this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That, that's what the scripture says. That's not relative. That's just truth. The wages of sin is death. That's not relative. It's just truth. It's just true. Amen. Why is that so important? To have change affected in my life, I have to take every word that is spoken in here as absolute truth. The promises, the warnings, the admonitions, I take them all. What, he, what Jesus said about everything. What the Holy Spirit said about everything. Amen. See, what we have is a lack of truth. You know, you hear in the media a lot, we just need transparency. Boy, they're one to talk. But, but, but the point is, we need truth. We need truth. I don't care. Listen, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you sit on politically, what uh, side of the aisle you sit on racially or ethnically or on, in, in gender issues. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you sit on. What makes everything level and right is truth. It's truth. Is that right? It's truth. The, 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 the world tells you, oh boy, 
the world tells us, tries to tell people, for instance, that, you know, when, when a baby is conceived, that it's not viable until a certain period of time. So if you abort that baby before that viability period, you're not doing anything wrong. But the truth says, when I was formed in my mother's womb, God knew me. God was acquainted with me. God is not acquainted with a bunch of cells or just some tissue. God is acquainted with viable people that have a spirit. Amen. Do you see this? That's truth. Well, I believe everybody ought to have a choice. You can believe that way if you're in the world. But if you're a believer, you gotta you got to go with the truth. I say you got to go with the truth. Is that right or wrong? Amen. Hallelujah. I, I was sitting one time with a person. And they were telling me that Jesus never talked about marriage and, and Jesus never this and, and Jesus never that. And Jesus never said that marriage was just between a man and a woman. Jesus never said that. And immediately the scripture came to my mind where Jesus told the people they came to him. And, you know, uh, they were talking about the man that uh, they were tempting him. And, and they used the scenario of these seven different brothers that had died. And they all had this one wife and nobody had children. And Jesus, remember what Jesus said? He said, he that created them in the beginning created them male and female. And for this cause, a man will leave his wife. Or leave his father and mother and cleave only to his wife. And he called the husband the male and he called the wife the female. And he said God created two genders, male and female. That's the truth. But I believe people got a right to live however they want. They do. Under the Constitution of America, you have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But the kingdom isn't governed by the Constitution of the United States of America. The kingdom is governed by what the Word of God says. God is not an American. He's God. Boy, it got quiet. You know, the American flag is not draped on the cross. God loves America. He loves us. He loves our nation. But he wants us to abide by the truth. This nation was founded so we could worship God in spirit and in truth. Are, are you following me? I'm not being political. I'm, I'm using this as an illustration to say people are looking for what's truth. Truth is relative. Truth is what you think it is. Truth is what the Word says. Truth is what the Word says. Amen. Do you, do you understand that? I'll have people, they'll come to me. Listen, they'll, they'll, they'll come to me and they'll tell me, well, you know, the, the Bible doesn't say anything uh, that we shouldn't drink. You know, it just tells us uh, not to do it in excess. That's because you want to drink. You know, for, for, for Christians, for men of God, the Bible says that a man of God cannot be given to wine. Now, what do you do with that? The Bible says wine is a mockery. The Bible says who has woe? Who has pain? Who has problems? 
them that drink wine and tarry long over the wine. Know what it says? Well, you know, but this is what I believe. But what does the truth say? What does the truth say? You know, I don't, I don't, and I don't argue with people. Well, Jesus drank wine. You can't show me one place that Jesus was drinking some wine. Other than, I guess you could, the Last Supper, where they all were sit, taking a sip. But then I don't go too far the other way and try to prove that it wasn't as much alcohol content. I don't care. The, the issue is, the, when I got born again, amen, when I got saved, when you got saved, everything about, everything about the world became foreign. There's things we don't do because the Bible tells us to come out from among them and be separate. 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 Truth is not relative. Truth is what the Scripture says. Amen. What's that? Amen. Hallelujah. And that is what leads to the breakdown of society. That's what leads to the breakdown of the family. And it leads to error in the church. Is because people believe, well, truth is relative. And, that, and that's why you see a lot of believers that don't have renewed minds because they're not taught the truth. They're taught God understands. They're taught God is okay with it. God understands we're all in process. God does understand we're all in process. The Bible says in the book of Psalm 78 that we should be grateful every day that he remembers we're dust. Amen? But here's the thing. What else did he in, in, in encourage us to do? Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mature. He told us to do what? He told us in the book of James, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and, and receive with meekness the engrafted word that can save your soul. He said over and over again, glory not, lie not against the truth. Love your brother. Love your sister. Amen? Why? That stops, that stops error because you're operating in the truth. Amen. Glory to God. I've been telling my wife a lot lately over the last few years, I'm going to be even more of what I am. Hallelujah. There's a strength that comes into you when you stand for the truth and you say, this is true and we're not going to have it any other way. Amen. You, as parents, as grandparents, we can't be afraid to stand for the truth. We, can, we, can't, we can't be pushed into a corner because everybody else is watching this and everybody else is okay with this. We're not okay. Hey, world, sir, ma'am, we're not okay. We're going to believe the truth. The Bible still says I got to train them up in the way that they should go and that when they're old, they won't depart from it. I have that responsibility. Amen. We can't raise a generation to believe that truth is relative and expect them to be successful. Mm. Amen. I don't know that I intended to go that far, but, but it leads to error in the church. It leads to error in the church. When it, whenever you have denominations saying it's okay for our pastors to drink, 
Listen, what the head's doing, the church is going to do. It's not relative. It's not relative. Amen. I just have a hard time seeing Jesus and the disciples sitting around. And Jesus says, hey, toss me one of them. Bush. Like I said, I said the other day, and sometimes I get in trouble for this, but I just can't see Jesus. I can't see Jesus standing on the Mount of, of the Beatitudes going, blessed are the poor, smoke them if you got them, poor in spirit. I can't see that. It's truth. You have a pastor that's not a sin. It's a work of the flesh. It's a work of the flesh. It's something the flesh wants that serves no good purpose in anybody's life. People die of smoke inhalation. I'm moving on. Lost my crowd. See, see when I just let the flesh do whatever it wants, then I'm violating truth. He said, put to death the works of the flesh. Why? Because my life will be better. Amen. John, John 17 and verse 17. Let's get to a little safer water. A little bit safer. See, I, what I want you to see out of what, all that I'm saying is that people are not taught the truth of the scripture, they suffer with an unrenewed mind. And the same things that have always rode over them will continue to ride over them. And, 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 that's, and that's why you have people, that's why you have people that are frustrated and struggling and trying to overcome and trying to be better and trying to live right, but they're having a hard time and Part of the primary reason is they're not taught that this is absolute truth. And when you take it as what it is, absolute truth, the power that's in it, the power of God, what, what God is, his word must of necessity be. And when you take it as absolute truth, the power that's in God that he put in his word then begins to work on the inside of you. Sin, flesh, Wrongdoing cannot hold out in your life under a constant barrage of the Word of God. It has to move. It has to give place because truth is stronger than lie and truth is stronger than sin. Glory to God. I had a minister tell me one time, well, you know, if God did lie, it would automatically become truth. And I just looked at him. I thought, what hole did you come out of? If God ever lied, it would mean he's not God. Because the Bible says God cannot lie. God is 100% truth. Do you know why God cannot lie? He's truth. Amen. Do you know why you don't want to lie? Because you're full of the truth. You're born of God. You're born of the truth. And that's why when, when it comes right down to it and you have to tell the truth even if it costs you, you step up to the plate and tell the truth. Why? Because you believe what the Word says. Ah, hallelujah. 
Don't sell yourself short. Stay with what the Word says. Don't sell yourself short. Amen. Do it, do it the Word's way. And if you do it the Word's way, you'll get God's, you'll get God's power working in your life. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. So John 17, 17, he said, sanctify them through your truth. Then he made the statement, your word is truth. So notice that Jesus said the truth sets you apart. Now to the world, operating in the truth sets you apart because they think you're different. We are. We're very different from the world. Thank the Lord. We're different in a lot of ways. We got good marriages. We got happy families. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not reckless with our relationships. We've got peace and joy. We are. We're a lot different than the world. But this sets you apart. The truth sets you apart. It sets you apart from the ability of the enemy to overcome you. It sets you apart from the ability of the flesh to, to, to overcome you. It sets you apart from the ability of the curse to ride over your life. You're set apart. Amen. The word is truth for any matter under consideration. What does the word say? John 8, 32, you remember Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Isn't it interesting that lies bind and lies blind, but truth liberates. If you lie to a person, you're putting a temporary blindfold on them because lies blind. But lies bind. What do they, who do they bind? You. They bind you. Amen. I like not having to worry about what I said the other day and trying to remember. Somebody asks you a question, you don't have to go, uh, what I said the other day. Amen. The truth. So what is the word? Truth. truth. What transforms? Truth. Truth transforms. Truth transforms. Look at uh, Psalm 119, verse 104. I'll be done in just a few moments. Oh, thank you. I don't care what none of y'all say. My wife just... Helped me. Praise the Lord. The, 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 the reason this is so important is it colors every area of your life. When you look at truth as not relative, but what it is, in, in essence, absolute truth, then that colors everything. That, that colors the decisions you make. Amen. Colors everything. Because we're making our decisions based on the truth. Psalm 119, verse 104, notice it says, Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So through the word I understand what's false. I see the truth, and then I can recognize error. Hallelujah. I see the truth. And then I can recognize error. But notice it comes through the word. So that means that the word then becomes my lens that I'm viewing everything through. 
What does the word say about this? How, what does the scripture say? Right there, you're still in Psalm 119. Look at verse 128. He said, therefore, I esteem all your precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. When I know and embrace the truth, I will hate false ways and error. I'll hate it because I've embraced the truth. Amen. And, and that's what begins to, that's what then begins to be the power, have, have the power to renew the mind and to change the life to, to, down to its core. You want change down to your core. And notice, it, it, it starts with knowing the truth and embracing the truth. And then you'll hate false ways. You'll hate error. So in, 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 in many circles, we're very strong on, on getting people to embrace the truth that, that we're forgiven, that we're righteous, that, that God loves us, that even when we were no use of, at all to him, that he sent Jesus to die for us, and we preach that strong, and, and, and you know we do. But here's, here's the point. There's, there's more to truth than that. There's the living it out. If I'm righteous in God's sight, then it, it, it befalls me then it falls to me to live like I'm righteous. To live like somebody paid a very heavy price. Amen. Because salvation was freely given, but it wasn't free. It cost Jesus everything. Amen. And, and Scripture says, well, let me move on from that. Scripture says that when I live my life in such a way as to contradict Scripture, that I put Christ to an open shame. If I'm, if I'm to call myself a Christian, then I live by the book. If I'm a Christian, I live by the book. This is what the Bible says. And that colors your life. Well, I don't know if I can do everything the Bible says, but here's the thing. If you do what the Bible says, the Bible contains the power to help you do what it says. Well, I don't think I can forgive that person. The Bible says forgive them quickly and fast. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Just take the Scripture and say I'm doing this based on the Scripture. I'm forgiving that person. Listen, let, let me share this with you. I had a person that did some work for me at my house. And... Uh, uh, when, when they finished the job, I didn't have time to, to look at it as close as I should have. And, and uh, well, a few days, I figured out they had really done a poor job. Poor job. And uh, so I called the, the man. And I said, uh, look, told him who I was. I said, I'm going to need you to come back out and redo some stuff because this, this isn't working. And he was just right, right oh, you know, get, get the utilities mapped out, and, and I'll bring a tractor out there, and I'll get it done. I said, all right, praise God. So I called the utility companies, got everybody out there, and, and, and they marked everything out, and I started calling him, and he wouldn't answer the phone. And I left message, and he wouldn't, and he wouldn't respond. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm not a big technology person, especially as far as like social media and stuff like that. But, you know, it was just burning in me to put a really unfavorable review, you know. But I knew something. 
Love your enemies. Do good to them that spitefully use and persecute you. And I just stopped right there. My wife's a witness. I just stopped right there. And I said, Lord, I don't know if he knows what he's doing or not. Father, I, I just pray for his business. I pray for him because, Father, if he don't change what he's doing, he's going to hurt his business. I just, Lord, I forgive him. I forgive him. And I texted him a couple days later, and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get over there and get that done. And he asked me in the text, would you pray for me? Would you please pray for me? And so I prayed for him, and I haven't heard nothing from him. I saw it today, and boy, that, that Tabasco started trying to come up. Right? I just had to forgive him. And the more it rains, the worse it looks. And I just had to forgive him. And then, you know, then I'm trying to find somebody to fix his work. And, and, and I started to get mad because why, why should I have to pay somebody to come fix, right? And then I'm like, I forgive him. I for, why? The book says so. There's something greater at stake than my yard not looking as good as I want it to look. There's something tied to my forgiving him. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. There's something tied to you doing what the Word says. The Old Testament says this. It says there's a blessing if you keep the words of the book. Isn't that right? So there's two reasons, two reasons tonight. The Word is so powerful. Number one, it's inspired by the Holy Ghost. Number two, it's absolute truth. Absolute truth. That's why it will change your life. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? Hope you received something from the Word. I did. I had fun preaching it.